Welcome back to Double Feature, the IDS film podcast where the powers that be let us in a podcast booth to give you hot takes and maybe some lukewarm ones too. I'm Chris Forrester. I'm Annie Aguiar. And today we're joined by a special guest. Chris, would you care to explain? So Annie and I were sitting in the podcast booth about to start recording and a friend of ours is also in here today just chilling taking some pictures, and she goes, oh, my God, there's Donovan. And I saw him, and I said, wait, he said he really liked Akira on Twitter the other day. You want to have him on as a guest? And we said, yeah. So hi, Donovan. What's good? All right, Annie, tell us about our movies. Okay, so this week's theme finally is Weeaboo Week. We have been putting this off for how long? You have been putting this off. I have been putting this off for a long while. I have been trying to make Chris watch anime since we started this podcast. This episode was originally going to be in October. Yeah. (laughs) And then you're just an elitist. But it finally happened. Yeah. So I just needed to preface this episode with the fact that, oh, I was the worst person in middle school. And I was very much into anime. Uh, to a point where uh, I would punch 7th grade Annie. I wanted to talk about these two movies because they're both anime for my, like... Anime. Stop that. For my, like, the worst corners of my heart. And they're also really good influential films. So we have Akira, which is just... ugh, And the other is Perfect Blue. Uh, Satoshi Kon, R.I.P. And it's just, uh, it's the progenitor of, hey, did you like Black Swan? Did you like certain shots from Requiem for a Dream? This is it. it (laughs) Certain shots. Certain shots. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Oh, yeah, okay. Because I've seen it on film Twitter. (laughs) I've seen the film now twice. I haven't, actually. (laughs) I've seen the film now once. So I, in a, a turn of events, usually it's Annie who's like, well... Chris made me watch this movie, and I finished it five minutes ago. Today, it's Annie made me watch these movies, and I literally finished Perfect Blue like an hour ago. And it rattled me. Yeah, tell me. Okay, Perfect Blue first because it's amazing. I watched this movie in like a couple parts just because I've been really busy. Wait, Um, hold up. Perfect Blue. Yeah. Is the story of Mima, who is a pop star idol in a girl group, and she decides to quit the group and try to go out on her own as like a serious actress and then things considerably devolve it's a very mind bendy film it's you don't know which is the real narrative which is a hallucination who's the real threat who isn't and it's just oh ridiculously masterful and it's confusing at parts but i will stand by this movie for the rest of my days Yes, I think um, so. I watched it in a couple of segments, and but like in the the span of time between when I started it and when I finished it today, which was probably like twenty four hours, I was like kind of paranoid about everything. That movie made me feel like I was going crazy. And ordinarily, I don't really like it when movies just try to be in your face and confusing. Like this movie is not really a movie; it's like an attack on your psyche. Yeah. But just because of the, like, narrative and, like, the focal points of it, the way that it, like, forces you to occupy this decayed headspace that this character is in is so, so, so brilliant and so thrilling. Donna? I'm not going to speak too much on on, uh, Perfect Blue because last time I saw it, 
I was way too young to even understand. I was like elementary school. That movie came out in 97, right? Yeah, that's an old one. Yeah, I, I remember when I first saw it, it freaked me out so much. I think I like repressed it because my brothers and sisters, they were much older than me. And they would go out to the library and they would rent it on DVD. And then we would play it in like the PlayStation 2 back in the day. And like I was up way too late. Like Adult Swim was playing like shows like Xavier Archangel and stuff like that. That's how you knew he was up too late. And he was like, you guys want to like watch Perfect Blue and I should have been asleep. And and I shouldn't have watched any of that. So I I don't remember a ton from it. I just know like the the main premise. So I'm not going to speak too much on it. But I know as far as like. Uh, Grandmaster Satoshi Khan is concerned. He's like the master of like animated horror and thriller, oh especially like Paprika, and I, which has been a long time I've seen that as well. But yeah. yeah, it's my favorite thing. That's like, I feel one of the hallmarks of Satoshi Khan's style is his ability to go so seamlessly transitioning between different settings and whatever. And you see some of that in Perfect Blue because you start to see Mima like doubt her own reality and all that jazz and she's unsure if what she's doing is her actual life or a part that she's acting and one of the ways that this movie is able to do that is through these weird transitions and I feel like that is one of the benefits of animation versus live action a lot of people don't respect animation as a serious medium for serious films and I think this movie is one of the best like refutations of that yeah i would agree it is so because it mimics camera movements but it also exists and operates outside of the traditional confines of one and with those seamless transitions i think you really do see that come to a point in paprika like donovan said which is known for have you seen paprika i have not but i know it's like a, it was a big inspiration for like inception and a lot yeah. of other famous movies it's even it's even in my opinion it's even weirder it is <laughs> far weirder than inception nice. but also amazing like there's this the one scene or like section that i've seen the most of is this woman jumping off of like about she's jumping like over a railing and then the entire setting collapses into something else entirely like satoshi Kon is not interested in making things make a certain type of sense because he is trying to unsettle you and this movie is so good at being unsettling even the little things even i'm sorry i'm just like talking about this no go love it even like there are shots where the fill it's just color you know or there are shots from this that I just think about sometimes. The one where it's her face in the background and you see her dead fish floating in the foreground. Yeah. Oh, that. I just think of that a lot. Well, and the way that it will sort of like manipulate parts of the setting between shots without even necessarily drawing your attention to it. Like there's a scene towards the end where like you notice the fish look like they're dead in one shot and then they're like alive and moving again in the next one and it's just little things like that that accumulate and they're so much more powerful than just anything that's overtly in your face yeah it's if you liked black swan you will like this movie i still think that i like black swan more well you're wrong just because i'm like more fascinated like with black swan is basically perfect blue but about a dancer going crazy taking on the role of the black swan in swan lake and i think i'm just more interested in like ballet as an art than i am in like the journey from pop star or pop idol as she calls it in this to actress but i also am really fascinated by movies like both of them that can take this like 
idea of like being a performer and like make it meta and make you understand like how much that really tampers with your worldview to have to occupy all of these different personas and like not know which one is the real you. I think Perfect Blue of the two also is really interesting because now you can have a considerably more modern reading of the persona and the private figure and the public figure. Yeah. And can you, if you can, this movie, if social media had existed, would be off the rails. Like you have her little blog in the movie, which is interesting, but it really is a very good predictor of those issues that are were going to come up in the years to follow. Yeah. Like when I, I, I think visionary is like a cliched term. But I do think that this is like I think I think it would pair nicely with the recent Netflix movie Cam in that sense and like the way that it tackles this idea of like the like the real you and then the sort of like online presence having yeah. its own demonic manifestation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really, really impressed by this movie and I just love how much it spirals and how relentlessly crazy it gets in sort of making you confront all of these different realities that she's experiencing and not knowing which is which. And now Akira. Akira. One of the most iconic animated films of all time. Donovan. <clears throat> I'm going to go on a limb and say that Akira is the most influential animated film of all time. So the movie essentially is about uh, the youth of Neo Tokyo and how they're, you know, there's just a bunch of, you know, running amok, destroying everything, being degenerates. And there's it's centered on two main characters, Kaneda and Tetsuyo. And they're both friends, but uh, Tetsuyo is usually in the shadow of Kaneda and their biker gang that they have running around the city. And during a bike chase, Tetsuyo gets in a strange accident, which like stim like is the catalyst for all the major events in the movie. He comes encounter with like this strange kid who looks like he's like 80 years old. And from then on out, it's just a trip and a thrill ride, and uh, all the way up to the end of the movie. I have an I have a bunch of like facts because that's like that's like my favorite animated movie ever. I have so many facts with it. It was the first animated film, I think, ever to start making over millions of dollars in the commercial space. Which people are like, well, what about Lion King? Well, that came after. That movie is not nowhere near as good. I think it has the record still most colors used and created for a movie. Um, it was also one of the first. Like I say animated films were like it cut out like a ton of the story and it still worked as far as like I used to read the books when I was younger. Oh, OK. So um, I think Akira is actually like the stuff that you see in the movie is actually like not even half of what's in the book. And I think that's actually works towards like the betterment of the movie. I feel like things get bogged down in lore. And yes. this movie is less interested in lore and more in knowing its style and knowing it super well. Yeah, oh, and it, it certainly helps when that style is so beautiful. <sighs> I mean, the thing that instantly strikes you about this movie is that it is sort of your, not run-of-the-mill, but it, it definitely occupies the milieu of the, like, futuristic cyberpunk dystopia. Run-of-the-mill, you said. I said not run-of-the-mill, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> well. But it's very much within that genre. But visually and aesthetically, it completely subverts those expectations. Instead of being this sort of, like, drab and like downbeat gross grimy like future city it's so vibrant and colorful and like it just feels so rich and lived in yeah dude it's have y'all seen the um 
the 20 year anniversary remastered edition? I have not. I have not. I oh. saw the version that's on Hulu. Oh, well, I haven't. Is the version on Hulu? I think that's like the redubbed because I remember when there's, they, there's a dubbed and a subtitled one. Wait, we never, or I never established this about you, Chris. Or do you dubs or subs? Sub. Um, Gotta say sub. Ordinarily, I sub, but I dubbed because I was watching it at the gym wow. and. It was like on my phone, and the subtitles were really small. So, Donovan, do you just want to be the co-host for this podcast? Because I, I'm kicking Chris. This off. is so the second week reason, in a row I've faced firing threats. Reason why I brought up like the dubber subversion. So, another fun fact that I think is really interesting about what Katsuhiro Otomo did with the film was that before they even started animating any concept art, they had already dubbed the film and subbed it at the same time. So, how they when they did the original in 19, I think it came out 88, right? I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not sure. Out, You're the Akira you. expert here. They came out, it came out in 88, I believe, and um, when they when they dubbed it and subbed it at the same time, so it wasn't like one came out before the other. Except I know because the black the original Black Ranger, one of the Black Rangers from the Power Rangers, was the English version. Um, they had they had dubbed and subbed it, so when they animated it out, they had had to form the voices to the to the people there, the voice actors. So like that's why it looks so humanistic how they talked, and it looks really. Like God. almost awkward, and I think it's like revolutionary because people don't do that today, but it did it back then. Yeah. In the remastered version, it's just it's a lot crispier. There's more colors, and I honestly think that I refer the remaster over the original. No. Usually awesome. I don't, but in that case I do. I, I almost. I distinctly remember over the summer when I was super bored and had nothing to do, and Movie Pass, y'all remember her, she, um, <laughs> was still around. <laughs> And I was looking at the Keystone Art Cinema one like Friday afternoon and there was a midnight screening of Akira there. And I was like, should I go? Um, and after I watched this movie last week, I was kicking myself for denying myself the chance to see it on a big screen. Yeah, um, oh, amazing. But it would have been exceptional. You mentioned something earlier with Perfect Blue, the way that camera movements are mimicked. I noticed that even more with Akira, um, just the way that the camera occupies that space, even though it's like not even a physical, tangible space. It's... But the way that it uses those camera movements is so thrilling. No, animation blows my mind. To do something at this level of mastery, it just requires such an understanding of images and how they're captured. This movie is so, like, it, like, like you said earlier, Donovan, like the most influential. You know, I think one of the things that speaks to that is just like the the Akira like bike slide. It it gets weird. Yeah, and it's a when you try movie. to describe it, it sounds a little like not dumb, but just like okay. But yeah. it's yeah. so worth it. I think oh, wait, I, the but, elephant in the room is the impending live action remake. No. We don't want it. We don't need it. I mean, I think that that's like where this debate lies. Like the, it's fundamentally disrespectful to this entire art form to think that there's any value in remaking this live action. I mean, there was already the Ghost in the Shell remake, which I never saw but only heard that it sucked. Um, I didn't like Ghost in the Shell, the original. I haven't seen the original. But I think that it's so disrespectful to how beautiful and vibrant and singular the art form of animation can be to think that you could remake it because... Well, like I said There's earlier, just so much you can do with like making a space that feels real but isn't bound by the limits of like what can visually work with people. You know, a lot of the the body horror esque stuff that happens in the second half of this movie is just gonna be weird and gross with live action characters and not work the way that it does in 
like anyway. I was saying earlier, people don't take animation seriously. So I definitely comes from, I feel, a, let's legitimize this for a general movie-going audience again. And also people don't want to come up with original stories, but whatever. And it's, like you're saying, it's such an injustice. It's such a disservice. It If, if someone was like, hey, let's do Star Wars and like re-release the films, but like fully animated this time. Good lord, that'd be weird. Yeah, it would. It would be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that there's this difference between, like, in animated film, you can capture something that's so, like, awe-inspiring because it you can really create so much that couldn't exist within our world and you can really transport viewers. And then I think there's this desire to take that and make it live action because it's perceived as more visceral or, like, more real when they're, like, real people. But the appeal of this movie is the wonder. It's being transported to this world, this colorful fantasy land and i think that we don't really need that yeah oh i mentioned it earlier i didn't follow through on it because i got sidetracked by the synopsis the akira bike slide is there's this one part where character is on a motorcycle and he stops and he slides to a stop and it's such an iconic and beautiful piece of animation that it's almost it's kind of a meme of like different animated movies and shows including that as an homage to Akira like it's in a couple times at Adventure Time it's in like if you google Akira bike slide there's like examples of everything put up next to each other and it just goes to show that this came out what you said like 88 and it's still it's been god wait like 30 30 no. years. Yeah. 30 years. doesn't feel correct. Latest on Double Feature, co-hosts discover time. <laughs> God. All right. So the reason that we went and grabbed Donovan and asked him to join us today is this was on your list of your top five favorite movies. Yes. Tell me why. Just give me the cliff notes on why you think this is so much better than the rest. So my thing with animation that I that has an edge over live action and CGI is that it is pure imagination to the point you can do whatever you want on paper you can if you want to have um like in Akira when Tetsuyo his body morphs and goes and it just grows out and everything's large and like the body horror is like insane is you can you can't really replicate that same experience on live action screen with humans and Another thing with with Akira, I think, is just so mind boggling that it tops almost all of my movies. Is that it, you know the whole concept that this came from out of just the mind of Katsuhiro Otomo, and that he hand drew this entire thing. Um, one thing that anime uh, anime has over American animation in most other countries is they still hand draw a lot of their animation before they even put it in the computers, and it's just like a you feel and you see just the textures and the pain and ang- like an anguish that goes into writing each scene not only are they writing a script for this movie they're writing the visual elements as well and that's just even going the step further and people like uh you know like studio ghibli with um miyazaki and all them you know i hats off to them as well but with katsuhiro is just it's a different level it's a it's, different level it's a different type of seriousness it's an artistic it's, statement and vision it's like, not a kid movie no no and i feel like one of the detriments of us being entrenched in this American movie-going culture is that animated movies are for kids, by and large. And hats off to Japan for yeah. being literally 
30 plus years ahead of us. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that, I mean, obviously this w- this film was sort of influential in like the way that it took. Did you just say sort of influential? Well, oh, this film was completely, <laughs> fully, entirely influential in being like an an R-rated, like, really grim, really violent animated film. And I think what's so special about that, about discovering it now, is, like, we don't really get that experience of, like, the wonder of discovering something like this, like, with Star Wars when we were kids. Mm -hmm. This sort of, like, complete awe-inspiring, like, being introduced to this world and everything that's been developed. And, like, that's really what I felt like watching this movie. And it was really special. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Double Feature. I've been Annie Aguiar. I am Chris Forrester. And I will be Donovan Harden. And next week, we'll be back talking about Breaking Away. Because we have to. I've never seen it. Have I've you? never seen it either. Oh my gosh. It's a fun time. Whoopee. All right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>